Hello, I'm Kendra Von Esch, and you are listening to my 10-minute daily podcast, Reality Reflections. I bought into what this world said would make me happy. Money, prestige, power. And hey, if it feels good, do it, because life is stressful, so party hard. Do whatever makes you happy. But that didn't quite work out, because I felt even more insecure, full of fear, shame, and anxiety, and never, ever good enough. Then God found me and flipped my reality upside down and transformed my life. And I want this for everyone. So I left my executive career to help others find true acceptance, supernatural peace, joy, and love that only comes from a relationship with God. Here is my reality reflection for today. So today I would like to talk about scrupulosity, mortal sin, and venial sin. Especially now during Lent, you might be beating yourself up for some of the things that you're trying to overcome. Maybe it is a mortal sin, or maybe it's a venial sin. And what is the difference? And what is scrupulosity? Okay. There's a lot, of, a lot of questions here, but someone had reached out for some counsel. And I think all of us at one time or many times on the journey can fall into scrupulosity. We can think that our venial sins are mortal and therefore we are running to confession every other day, which is what I did. I remember when I lived at the lake house before we sold it, I was going to Latin mass I was learning the faith and I was doing my best to get myself out of mortal sin. That is the first step on the journey. Get out of mortal sin. If you are committing mortal sin, then oh my goodness, that is your number one focus. Because when you're in mortal sin, you have cut the line to God. We're going to use a telephone pole. He's got one can the telephone line, I should say. He's got one can, we've got the other. And we're talking to each other and we've got that relationship and his grace comes through that line. But the minute we go into mortal sin, and I'll explain what that is in a moment, we cut that line. We cut it completely. And that means that we no longer can receive God's grace and we are not in a state of grace. So therefore, Do not receive Holy Communion, period. You cannot unless you go to reconciliation, that beautiful sacrament, and you reconcile yourself with God. You confess that sin, you do your penance, and then that telephone line is repaired. And now you can receive God's grace. What is mortal sin? Okay. Mortal sin is serious enough that it kills the life of grace within us. Venial sin is not deadly by itself, but it's still quite dangerous. It offends God, hinders our ability to receive grace, damages our soul, and wounds our ability to live as a Christian. There are three conditions for mortal sin. One an act of grave matter. That is, two, 
committed with full knowledge, and three, deliberate consent. All three of these conditions must be met for it to be a mortal sin. If one condition is seriously lacking, it's not mortal. It's considered a venial sin. Go to the catechism section on mortal sin, please. Go to chapters 1854 through 1864, okay? And this is not just actions. By the way, these are against God's commandments. There are examinations of conscience out there that you should review. I've I've pointed you to the USCCB, United States Catholic Conference of Bishops.org. Search examination of conscience or even just go USCCB examination of conscience in your search engine and it will come up because they actually changed the link when they redid their site. So just search it, you'll find it. And there you will find different states of life. So if you're single, if you're married, you'll have an examination of conscience for married people, for people with children, and for single people, as well as the good old-fashioned Ten Commandments, which is what we should really be looking at because those are God's precepts. That's how we're supposed to live. And when we break one of those, that's severe. But we have to knowingly break it. So for me, I did not know that birth control was a mortal sin. So I was still on it, still took it, didn't have a problem with it because I didn't know. Then once I knew, I still took it, I was still on it because I didn't think that I could go off of it. I didn't want to have that conversation with my husband So what I would do is I would go and confess it so that I could receive communion. And I think that's even a double dam of my soul. So I confessed knowing that I wasn't going to stop doing it. And so that's lying to God. That's falsely saying, Lord, (laughs) I'm sorry, please, you know, mend our relationship. And then I receive him in a state of, well, I don't know what I'm in now. I am not in a state of grace and I'm a liar. So that is one of those three things that wasn't present for me. I didn't know and I didn't consent to do it. Like deliberately say, forget you, God. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do my own thing. But it's not just our actions. It's our thoughts as well. We have heard Jesus say, if you are lustfully looking at a woman, you have committed adultery with her in your heart. That's a mortal sin too. You can use it in in a bank robber. I saw this example once that if you actually rob the bank, then yes, you are guilty because you actually did the act and you stole. So you need to go to confession, reconciliation. But if you thought about it and you planned it and you were ready to do it, but you couldn't, maybe because your partner in crime bowed out or something happened with your car and you couldn't get there, but your intent and your will and everything was there, you're also guilty. 
of that mortal sin because if all those things aligned, you would have done it also. So it's important when I say, and I don't just say this because I like to say it a hundred million times, (laughs) I say this because it's true. We have to be aware of what we're thinking and we have to capture that thought and make it obedient to Jesus. So if it's a thought of anger and resentment, or if you slip up and you say, oh my God, or a swear word or something like that, when you're not When you're really trying to work on it, God knows your heart and you're not doing it because you just want to do it. So I'll use the swearing thing, for example. I didn't want to change anything about my life in the beginning of my encounter with God in this Catholic church. I wanted to be my raunchy, blasphemous. You know, I wanted to say, oh my God, I wanted to say Jesus Christ in all different ways. I wanted to swear like a truck driver. I wanted to be who I was, but still have Jesus in my heart. And that's not the call. The call is faith and works and thought. I'm going to go there. So I was, and I don't think, again, I think when we use the Lord's name in vain, That's against, I think, the first commandment because we're supposed to keep the Lord the center of our life and not blaspheme him, not have other idols, all of that kind of stuff. So when we say, oh my God, that's just, even though we're not using it in an angry way and some of us may use it in an angry way, we're just using it to use it. It becomes not special. It doesn't become the fact that when we cry out to God, it should be, Lord, help me. Not, oh my God, did you see that movie last night? Oh my God. Or, oh my God, this news is driving me crazy. Or these people in this political space are driving me crazy. Or this ideology is driving, oh my God, oh my God. Lord, I'm saying this for purposes of this podcast. I am not truly saying this. I know you know my heart. But that is the intent and the three parts of mortal sin that we must look at. And if we are out there and we say these things and we're trying to change them, the Lord is going to really appreciate it if we call ourselves out at that moment in front of other people for a couple of reasons. Let's say I just dropped the F-bomb in front of my whole family, which I tell you, they would look at me like, The sky was falling now when I used to say it every other word back years ago. And I would then immediately, if I said the F-bomb or if I said, oh my God, or JC or something like that, which I don't typically say JC, thank you, Lord, but oh my God was a big thing in in my life. And it's hard to get those expressions out of our mind, but we have to be aware. And the minute that we see and hear it slip, then we got to take ownership for it and call ourselves out and be a grown-up and an evangelist and show that we too are not perfect. None of us are perfect, which reminds me of pride. We don't want to forget to bring that up. So the minute I do that, I will say, oh my gosh, Lord, I am so sorry for saying that. You know, I'm working on that. I am, I love you. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. What just happened there? 
Everybody witnessed my screw up. I owned my screw up. And I showed them that I'm not perfect either. But darn it, I am trying. And I am sorry to God when I screw up and I ask for his grace to help me not do it moving forward. That's the piece I didn't say out loud, but you know, Lord, I'm sorry. Please help me not do that again. Now, I didn't do it because I, I said, forget the first commandment and forget God and all his ways. I slipped up because that's what I used to say all the time. That's the difference. And I would still go to reconciliation. I wouldn't run to it, but I would go to reconciliation and bring blaspheming God's name into reconciliation. But swearing, I would not consider that a mortal sin. But I probably, the next time I go to confession, again, I wouldn't run to confession for that. I would bring up the fact that, you know, I've just been a little profane with my language, that type of stuff. And I'm going (laughs) to talk about the priests. The priests, bless their heart. I mean, listen all the time. And I have had a priest say to me, well, what are your sins? Because I went through a laundry list of vice versus virtue, but they weren't mortal sins. So I'm pretty sure that that priest was trying to teach me that I don't need to come for these. That through the penitential rite in the very beginning of mass, I am absolved of my venial sins. So every week you have like a mini confession. So be conscious of how scrupulous you are. And that means that you are thinking that everything is a mortal sin, not a venial sin. And we have to go back to love. God loves us. We have free will. If he knows we're working on it, he is going to be there to help us and shower us with grace. And a lot of the time we we ignore that grace. Because we're not paying attention and we don't have a relationship with him. So we don't even know what's happening because we're not spending any time with him, contemplating and reflecting and learning when and why am I still doing these things? And if it's a mortal sin that you keep falling into, you may be choosing to do it anyway. A lot of us end up taking that, especially when you're on the journey and you know you shouldn't watch pornography. You know you shouldn't masturbate. You know you shouldn't be looking at people lustfully. You know you shouldn't be thinking, I don't know, bad, horrid thoughts about people and wishing bad things on them. You know that you shouldn't be cheating on your spouse. But when you do it and you know that you shouldn't, you are basically flipping off God. You have cut that cord, that wire to him. Grace is gone. And if you die, you are going to hell. If God doesn't have mercy on your soul. I don't know. I'm just going by what the catechism tells us. But that Catholic guilt can make us fall into this lack of love for God. Like 
what all of the apostles did in the book of Acts. It's a beautiful reflection. If you read through the book of Acts, of course, after we get through Easter, it's going to be the perfect time for you to meditate on what they say and what they do for the love of Jesus, not for their damnation. They're out there trying to help other people from being damned and living the best life that they can and accepting God's grace. But darn it, you know what they're doing also? They're praying. They are following as best they can. Jesus's witness and example, but they have a relationship with him. And that's the difference. And a lot of us have fear and worry and all these other things that come into the mix of that relationship, laziness, scrupulosity, and we forget about the connection, the relationship. So I want you to like shrink that telephone wire from you up into God in heaven and just put the cans right together with a tiny little wire. That's how close we should be with God. Talking to him, crying out to him, asking for his help, asking for him to come into our hearts and change it, renewing our spirit every single day, giving us the grace to live as he wants us to live but allowing us to be completely free to make that decision. So it is a journey and you will be changed if you keep walking it and asking him to come in with his grace. Pride, last thing. Scrupulosity is very close to pride because we think we should be perfect and that we don't need God's grace in our life to change. So if you slip up in something like swearing or saying something not kind about somebody else, do what I have told you because it's going to please God. You are going to publicly announce that you're sorry, that you've offended him. And you're going to publicly announce for his forgiveness and that you will try to do better, but you need his help and his grace in your life to change you. And then the people are going to be watching. And when God fully changes that component of your life, they will be witnessing God's grace in you and how you live. We have to remember the love of God. We have to remember his desire to help us on the journey. But if we don't pray and we're not vulnerable and we're not crying out, then we are being prideful and we are living on our own accord, trying to make these changes by ourselves. And that is not a humble servant. A humble servant every day should come to its master and say, what do you want me to do, Lord Master, for you today? How can I serve you and serve others? I hate that master-slave thing, but that's the humility aspect of it. Although we have free will 
to be that slave to God? Are we humble enough to do it and ask, how do I serve you today, Lord? Okay, this went a lot longer than I thought. Just remember that God loves you. God wants you to be happy and wants these things to change in your life. But he also knows that he needs to help us and we need to get out of our own way and allow him to help us. Lord, please help us in our venial sins. Heal us from our mortal sins. We ask this from the depths of our heart. And we want you in our life all day, every day. Help us to be aware and to make amends publicly, not only to you, but to others and to Satan. So that Satan hears our words, our deeds, and our love for you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That was a short one, but this got long. Oh, go out there and be loved to you. Love yourself. This life and being a faithful Christian is not easy, but it should be joyful. We should be thanking God for identifying our sins so that we can say, Oh, thanks, God. I appreciate you raising to my eyes that I just said that or did that. And I'm grateful for that. So now I'm going to apologize. I'm going to make amends. I'm going to call myself out. Maybe you even do a little sacrifice to the Lord. If it's a venial sin or get your butt into reconciliation, if it's a mortal one and continue to take each day as it comes and don't beat yourself up because that's not a loving relationship with God. That is like the slave and his master. And our relationship with God should be so much different. And if it's not, you must look at your prayer life. What is your relationship with God? Maybe you should sit with that today. Boy, how often do I spend time with him? How often do I allow him to fill me with his love? through his word, or just through conversation. Too many of us live a textbook relationship with Catholicism and God. And it's rules, and if we break them, then we go to hell. And that is not, (laughs) that's part of it, but that is not the relationship. The relationship is feeling that you've disappointed him. That is the gift of the fear of the Holy Spirit, the fear of God. I'm sorry, not the fear of the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fear of God. Like you don't want to disappoint him. Not that, oh gosh, I'm going to hell. So try to get those, that relationship on the right course. And that only comes through prayer. Speaking of which, you can take my 40-day prayer course. 
you can find any way to get to God in prayer. There's so many resources out there because if you don't, it's a sin if you don't pray and you also won't be saved. So I don't know what you all are doing out there who are not praying and taking that seriously, but you are worried about the wrong things. You are worried about swearing or saying, oh my God, or some other things, but how close and how intimate is your prayer life with God? Because if you don't have that, you won't be saved. God will look at you and say, oh, I don't know you. Who are you? Oh, but I went out there and I was speaking in your name and I preached. In other words, I was living a Catholic life. I was telling everybody that, no, you can't do this and you can't do that and blah, blah, blah. What do you mean you don't know me? Because you're, you're, you've got this teacher-student relationship with God instead of a father, son, and daughter. And do you really know him? Because when you do know him, you won't do the things that you are doing today. You won't think the things that you are doing today. And you won't say the things that you are saying today. Because God will be in your heart and in your head, and in your body, you will be living in the spirit of God. And it is fundamentally different than when you are just trying to change your behavior, which is great. That's part of the conversion. We convert every single day. It's not over just because you believe in God. That's just the beginning. Now you have to conform your life to him. And it's so much easier if you sit with God and you love God and you let God speak to you and show you the ways that he is helping you in your life. It's amazing. Okay, 25 minutes. But this is important. I cannot stress enough that it's got to be about love. Love, 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 love. Not, dang it, I did it. I'm going to go to hell. I got to get to confession. Because when we're just saying a bunch of things and doing a bunch of stuff without love, we're just a banging gong, blah, 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 making noise. God is like, I don't even know who you are. Got to think about it in any relationship that you have to spend time with that person and you've got to be vulnerable with that person and you've got to let them into your heart. And why you wouldn't do that with God, who is the only one who will never betray you, who will never be jealous of you. I mean, he does have a jealous heart. He wants your whole soul, mind, and body. There's no question, but he will be patient. He will love you no matter what. He will forgive you no matter what. There's not a person in your life ever that is that to you. So why people aren't running to God, this beautiful relationship and receiving the outpouring of love and grace in silence and in prayer and in mass And when we receive the Eucharist and when we're adoring him in adoration, that is the real relationship. And that's the one that I, I mean, my whole thing is find something more 
but it's really helping you deepen your relationship with God, right? Find something more with God, soul, mind, and body so that you can live the best life abundantly here on earth and be that witness and that disciple just by the way you live, by the way you are joyful, by the way you love, by the way you bring Jesus into your life and how you are giving yourself to him and publicly declaring that you need help too. And the only help that you're going to is the almighty God so that when they can see that thing changing in your life, that's why my husband is on this journey with me. Because every time I look to him and I'm trying to work on something, I tell him and then I call myself out and I have public humiliation, really. But then he knows that I'm calling out to God and God is coming in and he's making changes and things are changing. Like, why aren't you all messed up about not drinking this Lent? Meaning, like every other Lent, I'm whining about it. I'm complaining about it. A couple days are good. Other days are bad. I'm craving it because it's different. It's for my love of God and all that he's done in my life. And I know he can do this too. And then through the walk every day, it's reflecting and learning, reflecting and learning. Oh, now I'm seeing the connection, right? The near occasion of sin, the patterns that I've put myself in, the subconscious programming that I have just gone along and done because I haven't even thought about it. Being aware, paying attention, and having those conversations with God will be the recipe that comes out with this perfect, I don't know, food or <laughs> dinner, dessert, whatever it is, uh, you know, you put those components together and that sin is going to go away in God's timing and God's ways. And it could be miraculous like that, or it could be like two years, which was some of mine. Okay. Wow. 30 minutes. I love you all. <laughs> Get on out there. Love yourself, love others, but most importantly, love God and allow him to love you. Allow him in your soul, your mind, and your body. Have a blessed and inspired day.